KRXO FM and KRXO HD Oklahoma City, a product of Tyler Media, reaching over 1 million Oklahomans every week. Now, the Outdoor Hour, giving you the inside scoop on the great outdoors on 1077 The Franchise. As long as I can remember, I've been drawn to the outdoors. There's something primal in each of us that awakens when we step outside the bounds of modern society and back into the vast possibilities of the natural world. The more civilized our lives become, the louder our hearts cry for reconnection with our native ways. Failure is imminent, dangers drawing nigh, but approached with reverence and tact, the outdoors return wisdom and gain. In both the outdoors and in life, harvests are fleeting, but lessons and memories abound. With that in mind, we step forth boldly together in pursuit of ourselves outdoors. We are nothing more than tree stand troubadours. Welcome inside the outdoor hour. We're back. We are back. We back. A couple of weeks of reruns. Yeah. But we're here. Yeah. In the biz, we call them best ofs. Good call. Yeah. Yeah. Way to church that up. Best of. <laughs> yeah. Slash. We were in Florida. Get over it. We were. We were both in Florida. Yeah. Man, we've done a lot since the last time we were in studio. We have. Can you talk about anything you've been doing yeah, yeah. for starters? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I can spill the beans. Though. Okay. Because I feel like we've spent six to eight months being like, someday yeah. we'll get to tell you it's about probably this really get cool us in thing. Hot, hot water, but we can spill it. All right. Well, All right. what's up? This is the Outdoor Hour. I'm Taylor Maples. That's Joshua Wildman Stratton. Hello. I'm a piece of garbage. Yes. <laughs> there he is. Here to stay. <laughs> Dumpster fire on the hot mic. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Dan Orr back with us. Yeah. Repeat offender here. In the house. In the house. In the house. The newbie this week is Dane Kaler. Welcome. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. It's uh, good to be here. Glad to finally get in here and meet you guys. I know, man. This is going to be a good kid. one. Sunshine kid. Sunshine kid. Sunshine, Sunshine kid. Okay. Sunshine kid? Yeah. Okay. He's a Cali boy. Yeah. yeah. Grow my hair back out. I get yeah. that. Do it. <laughs> so, Dane and I go back. Um, through a mutual friend. We don't need to get too far into that, but one of my college roommates. Susie Susie Q. um, One of my best friends, one of my college roommates, one of the groomsmen in my wedding grew up down the street from him in Huntington Beach. Yeah, that's that's weird. But small world, right? Yeah. Yeah. Small world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and last but certainly not least, behind the glass on the ones and twos this week, our good friend, Goldfish. It's nice to see your smiling faces again. It's nice to be seen. I, I've been back here in my bowl all by myself the last couple of weeks, so you I'm have. glad you guys are here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for keeping us on the air and choosing some good best of moments. And... You know what? I just do my best. Yeah. That's all we can do, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it is December. The holidays are here. Um, we're past rut for those of us with the deer hunting persuasion. It's been a little slow in my world in the deer stand. It's been slow uh, from everyone I talked to. Yeah. I was talking to a buddy of mine who produces three hunting shows, and he didn't get one kill on camera this season. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm doing an antlerless hunt this, this month. Are you? Yeah, that, what is it, that December 18th? That holiday. The, the, the holiday yeah. hunt. With the kiddos? or Yeah, I think I'm going to take, uh, I'll take Morgan... You know, so he yeah. can, he wants to maybe plug a deer, so we'll see what happens. Just want to put some meat in the freezer, so. Yeah. My fear is we're going to kill four. 
and need some cooler space (laughs) yeah i need some freezer space do you have places to go do you know what your plan is yeah i'll do some stuff out out west you know around uh probably somewhere in and around gary okay around that 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 vicinity so well, if you're just looking to smoke some does around the metro area, we we know some places. Oh, that that'll be even some. better. Yeah, yeah. We can make it easier on you for sure. Yeah, make it easy. So, make yeah. it easy. Yeah. Are you? Uh, do you hunt? Not a big hunter. No. No. You're fishy. Fishy. AF and, as the kids yeah. say. And shooty. And shooty. Yeah. Okay. He does a lot of long range. Yeah. Competition stuff. He's into that world. Oh, really? Into that yeah, world. yeah, yeah. As, actually, shooty. Okay. Yeah. As, yeah, jo- like, as Josh said, not earlier, like me duck hunting, the just bougie. super shooty. The, but. Boo, the bougiest yeah. shooter that he knows. Yeah, straight up. I but, actually explained that to Cal and Meat Eater. They wanted to side in a rifle before they made the trek up to where we were filming and hunting last week. And he was like, dude you got anything i can hit on the way i'm like oh yeah i got your guy yeah and uh so dane linked up with them and uh took him over to the oklahoma city gun club and got got it on some paper this makes so much more sense because when we were talking at jd adams mm-hmm. over the weekend you were telling me that he called you you went out you're like we can get it on paper then we can go stretch it out i was missing that piece of why you would be the first call other than the membership that makes sense mm-hmm. now. okay are you a pistol guy i do I'm an equal opportunity. You and I talked about that. Yeah. I I like pistol more than I like rifle. And yeah. he's he's kind of the long range. His dude, competition so. rifle costs more than all of our hunting rifles combined. Yeah. In fact, his tripod costs more than probably some of your <laughs> hunting rifles. How did I not know this about you? Seeker, man. Just like playing video games. You gotta walk the line. You gotta walk the line. You gotta walk the line. You can't show all you just your cards. PG it yourself? Did you just PG yourself? I did. I yeah. appreciate you. I did. Yeah. yeah. I did. Good. That's the first one. There you go. Get the it first, out of the way. The first of many. <laughs> yeah. Man. Well, I'm super jealous. You guys uh got back. It's been a couple of weeks now, but you had a pretty um challenging trip, it sounds like, down to the Louisiana coast. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, the worst stretch of weather that I've had in a long time down there. Um, they they were doing it, but in smaller groups and less frequency than what we're used to. Um, it's the end of the year. And, you know, I think we talked about this before. That weather window is sporadic. And we just happened to catch the wrong end of it. Yeah, the wrong end. There was a front pushing up from the Caribbean. And said, hey, you know what? I think I'm just going to sleep here for a week. Let's hang here for this depression. Just instead of moving, it just hung. Hmm. Just Just, hung. Just hung out. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, we did not see the sun. Mm -mm. I was sight fishing, right? Which makes that a little difficult. Okay. Well, and it was, I mean, it wasn't blowing too hard, but enough where that limited places we mm-hmm. could go. Dirties the water a little bit when you get that, those. And then, of course, the currents. You know, you got the wind, you got the currents. And so all that makes for a really ugly soup, you know, and you really can't see the fish like you would. Now, would have been cool if all that was going on and we had sun. We would have been fine. Yeah, we'd have been. If we would have had sun, because you could still see him, you just couldn't see him as far off as you really mm-hmm. wanted to. So, you know, it wasn't dirty to the point that you couldn't see fish mm-hmm. and see shadows and see him moving. You could. It's just you didn't see him until they were like three Last feet minute. in front of the boat. And it yeah. was like, oh, cool. 
yeah well there's one you know yeah, yeah i think yeah. we ran over that first day we were running over fish with the boat and it was oh there's a fish and it was you know under the keel and off you go um and you were being pulled it yeah, wasn't yeah, we like were you pulled. were humming dude you that's how it and they don't move a lot in when it's cloudy like that because they don't have to right there's no they feel protected so they'll just hold up and then you push right over them and then oh dang it there went one up there went one up there went one how many times josh have you been to venice oh what what is it 2023 yeah Uh, a lot i mean a a dozen more than that i started going there in 2006 okay and i went there like six to eight times somewhere in that range no probably like that's almost 20 years probably 15 to 16 times. okay so more than the dozen i thought you were saying less all right dan you've been there a couple of times at least yeah so this year was my second year in venice third trip to louisiana to fish for redfish i fished before we start hosting this trip i had fished out of chalmette louisiana yeah um for redfish so that was my that was my first experience and then of course these last two times that that we've gone so dane had you ever been down there before so i hadn't been to venice i had done a trip one trip to hopedale which i think was the one of the original spots before i guess they came out of venice so i'd done it done it once before but it was totally different style mm-hmm. of fishing yeah. than than venice so. <clears throat> okay and that and and you're 100 percent right i mean that used to be the hotbed that's where you, when i went in 2006 and for you know basically till 2009 um we always went out of hopedale like i never went to venice we maybe would run over there one day um and then my buddies there's just a shift and a change in the fishery and and they all ended up getting houses in um in venice uh marina area and so 2000 12 or 13 is when i first started fishing out of venice and not running out of hopedale anymore so i saw some footage from this trip and it looked like it was kicking your butts like the weather the wind just the fishing in general compared to what i saw a year ago when you guys were there it was like acres and acres of reds just stacked up on top of each other well and we never even made it to that spot really yeah because mm-hmm. the weather didn't permit us being able to make that long run and get out there safely. And um, it, it would have been a serious gamble to run out there because you would have just gotten absolutely beat up. And there's no guarantee they were doing what they... And in fact, most of the reports were they weren't out east. Um, most of the fish in any real quantity were out west of uh venice which is a little different um for that time of the year traditionally and the fish were super spread out so instead of there being any condensed really big groups of fish there were smaller groups of fish and there were a couple of small groups out east there were some out west there were some just directly due south you know you had onesie twosies in pockets in in the back ponds um but we really yeah the the guides I got to give it up to them as usual worked insanely hard um to put everyone on what they could and you know Dane still caught a stud um was that your PR Oh yeah by a long shot yeah. I mean Hopedale was like schooly size you know bigger than slot but not not with that you know kind of the epitome Venice 
Louisiana redfish. Not, that, you know, not a bull. 40, red. 41, right? Yeah, it was almost exactly 40 on the tape. You know, yeah. we got them on the boat. And it was work. I mean, it was it was cool. I think that added to the kind of the you know the the experience, right? You know, it's one thing to throw your fly in the water, um, but it was work. So for me, I think mean, it made it. You know, it was one fish, but it was it was the one fish. Yeah, and you you're a cat who grew up fishing, right? So yeah. you probably fish for a little different reasons than people earlier in their fishing journey. Um, I would say it was definitely a, a memorable trip despite the struggles um was a super good time yeah i think if you know i guess if i had to say if somebody wanted to uh get an introduction into saltwater fishing redfish is probably what i would start them with because they're in in the scope of like saltwater species redfish eat well right like they they take a fly really well and they're not they can be spooky they can be leader shy but generally that's not their characteristics you you rub it across their nose and they're going to grab it you know so it's a really good introduction to somebody that's never saltwater fish before but the 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 other part of that you have to contend with is like both of these guys have said is the weather right the weather and the wind and we had about a 10 to 15 10 to 12 some days and for somebody that's never fished in the salt before, that's a struggle. You know, fishing into a 10 to 15 is, is a little bit of a struggle. Even though that's not a huge breeze, it's enough to make it difficult, right? Um, like you said, we if we were had bigger boats, we probably could have ran out east. But, you know, we're fishing out of 24 to 26-foot bay boats, so which is perfect for the situation that we're doing. But it's not so good if you're running – you know, an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes out into the Gulf, um, that will require you to have something a little bit bigger, some of those guys that run those bigger boats down there. So the inshore game is where it's at when it comes to that, you know, but it's also limits you on where you could go. Um, not to mention, you know, you don't want to beat the customers up in the boat. You want them to have a good time. Um, you know, skiffs, I would say skiffs is a, a phenomenal craft to run down there on a good day mm. right mm-hmm. <laughs> on, on a good day if you if you got a bay boat life is good you know and so but i think all the customers had a, a great great time like i said it was a little bit of a struggle um but here's what was interesting there was a ton of bait just everywhere the menhaden the shrimp i mean it was just bait absolutely everywhere the problem was those fish weren't like eating them a lot you know what i mean like i don't know if the bait had got pushed in and those fish were just like fat and sassy and they're like we're just gonna go (laughs) sit up in the ponds and just lay up you know normally when you see that much bait in there those fish are just piled up you know so it was a little bit of a weird time just like any other fish story you should have been here the week the next you know the week mm-hmm. after or you should have been here the week before you know yeah. we absolutely slaughtered them and that's kind of the theme that we heard was like yeah the week before was like blue skies and it was just like bomb fishing you know i think one of the things that uh makes this trip appealing to someone like me and i've not been on this trip but hearing stories from years past there's a really cool cultural mm-hmm. education that goes with this i know there's some plantation homes and even mm-hmm. the lodge you guys have stayed in Did you guys get to experience some of that on this trip yeah so venison itself is the end of the earth you know it's like the moon man um there's and and the the culture of people down there it's it's 
it's different. You know, that's all I can say. You know, it's a, it's a different culture of people. They're all centered around that fishery, you know, in some shape or form. They may have some type of small business, but, you know, they're not quite like folks in New Orleans and they're not quite like folks maybe in Shreveport or they're just, it's just a different culture of people down there. And yes, there is um, the Woodlands Plantation that's down there. We didn't get an opportunity to go down there this time. We had some, some booking issues, but that is down there. Um, the house that we stay in is absolutely cool you know um it sits on several acres you know we got the levee right in the back the mississippi is just right on the other side of it so yeah i mean it makes for a pretty good backdrop you know when we're when we're not on the water it's one of my favorite things about getting to do these types of trips is yeah you know for someone like like me that doesn't have a lot of salt water angling Mm -hmm. experience to go experience something unique maybe increase skill set and experience in that way but also just visit these places and meet some of these people and just see, like you're saying, it sounds like that community there is just so centered around that mm-hmm. fishery. Yeah. Um, and that's that's so different to at least the life that we experience, you know, here in Oklahoma City, for instance. And it's really interesting because when you look at that community, it's, it's yes, it's centered around the fishery a little bit, but it's, a, it's, it's quite a bit eclectic because you have a huge oil and gas presence that depart from venice right there's rigs that are that are out there so you got boats that shuttle back and forth you got supply boats that are there that shuttle equipment back and forth i mean the coast guard has an actual um barracks that's right there in the marina so you know i'm sure they're running drug interdiction and all sorts of other things that happen in the gulf of mexico that's illegal but and then you just got your commercial your commercial fishery aspect of it. You know, you have your shrimp boats and your crab guys and, you know, all those things. So it's a pretty kind of eclectic marina. And there's other marinas that are along the way down there that that do the same thing. Venice just happens to be probably the most popular one um, that's, that's down there. I mean, of course, everybody hears about Venice Marina and all the things. And by all accounts, it is not fancy. I mean, it is not fancy. Is the furthest thing from like if you want a nice, you know, swanky marina, go to the Keys. That's not Venice. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, it's it's straight up blue collar. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not your. I always you know joke and call them like the corporate fishermen, where it's you know it's my one trip a year. I'm spending all this money. I'm bringing my humidor and whatever fits on the suitcase, and they're going to put us on fish or they'll let them out of the cages. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it is a blue collar i think you and i even talked about this it's like blue collar like i'm rolling down there i got my reels and you know crown royal bags to protect them and my one duffel and you know it's a true kind of run what you brung and if you make it work credit to you but i think it's uh yeah for salt water you know if that's something you want to get into it's different when you get to get on the front of a boat you know fishing on a drift boat or standing on the shore is one thing but when when you're at the front of the boat and the guy's behind you and you're like oh well maybe a 30 foot cast is a little bit harder than a thought in the wind mm-hmm. um yeah you know it it makes a difference and it's <clears throat> it it adds something i think when you're you know when you've been fishing for a while and like josh spoke to this earlier is you know you you're fishing for different reasons and i think you know this trip was one of those big for me that really you know turned that page you know for me in my fish journey I want to talk more about that on the other side of this break. Before we go, would you go back? 
Oh, 100%. This I is think. something you do yeah. again? Oh, yeah. And he I didn't think, have a choice. Yeah, yeah I don't have well, a choice yeah, now. He didn't I'm, have a choice. I'm real, <laughs> I'm real jumped in now. But, no, I mean, it was a good group of dudes. Like, I think that 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 can make or break a trip sometime. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you don't ever want to go in thinking that, but it is something to consider. Like, some dudes, it's just not their jam to be five, six, seven guys deep, and you're sharing space, you're eating food together, you're drinking together, and you're sharing stories. Um, but, yeah, we had a good group of dudes. These two guys alone, I mean, we can talk about stuff all day. So yeah. I go back. Yeah, Cool. All right, let's get in a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about that big red fish you landed. I want to hear the story. Talk about some of the tackle, stuff like that as well. And uh, Night fishing for reds. Night fishing for reds. There you go. Okay, we'll do that on the other side. You're listening to the Outdoor Hour on 107.7 The Franchise. Now back to the Outdoor Hour with your host, Taylor Maples, on 1077 The Franchise and the Franchise Mobile app. Welcome back inside the Outdoor Hour. Getting fishy this week. I love it, man. We don't get to do this enough. No, I, you know, I, I, uh, I don't know if I'd consider myself a fishy dude. Other people might, but I, I just give them a Creelix and tell them to go for it. You know, <laughs> you grind. It. Yeah, yeah, I grind. Biggest thing though, man. Like I wanted everybody to catch a fish down there. You know, we I mean? almost accomplished that. Yeah, I wanted everybody, but I mean, you know, obviously we're not the guys, but we're we're helping as much as we possibly can to get these guys. You know, to have them feed a fish. You know, but sometimes it gets a little difficult, and it's nothing on them it's just conditions you know what i mean even some of the best fishermen will sometimes struggle yeah you know hey if you're in the uh hunting mindset this time of year still check out oaky hides they're made right here in oklahoma city locally made by oklahomans these things are overbuilt over thought about overproduced um, they're constantly stepping up their game. It's like I can't even keep notes fast enough uh, on what all they have going on. They're changing their floor plans, their window configurations, marine-grade carpeting in these things, blackout curtains. They now make air-conditioned uh, hunting blinds. I wish I was joking about that. Literally, if you hunt somewhere that you need AC early in the season, they can do it for you now. Unbelievable. Okiehides.com. Check them out on social media, at Okiehides as well. Um, we're going to do an episode in one of these coming up weeks, Josh, from the Oki Hide. We're just going to pick a day, go sit, take the bows. Um, I mean, it'd be really cool to actually harvest something on air, essentially. That's the plan. That's the plan. Yeah. Um, we'll see. But literally, yeah. like, this thing is so soundproof, we could do a radio show from inside it. Yeah, 100%. So. Yeah. Uh, um, can we do that fishing? That's what I was going to say. Is like, Get out on our boat. Like, like, stick raft. it on my raft. Yeah, and just. Yeah float around yeah yeah i can bow and arrow cast we'll even look we'll look the part there yeah. you go <laughs> yeah we should do it i'm down so but seriously this thing's awesome um you know i've got a 16 month old daughter and i mm-hmm. take her out bow hunting with me in it because it's so stable it's not gonna like oil can you know mm-hmm. the metal side or anything mm-hmm. when she's moving around throwing toys um soundproof enough that she can just be in there doing whatever she's gonna do and mm-hmm. i can still see deer and um, let's let's talk about her for one quick second. Yeah. She is not about Dan. No? Is she not? At all. She loves me. Misty? 100%. She like, lets me carry her around the whole night. Reach nine? for Misty. Misty's toting her around. She gave me a half fist bump. Like, 
And then she went right back over to Misty. She's like, I don't want to talk to that She guy. wasn't a fan of Rachel this weekend either, though. And I think it's because Rachel kept trying to help us get a picture with Santa. Mm. Was maybe why. Yeah. But she'll usually go to Rachel too. And there's, oh, yeah. But there was a ton of people. Yeah. Everybody's like, you know, all eyes on her. So you know, I, Owen, mm-hmm. your son, dude. They linked up on the dinosaurs for a few minutes, and it was like she was all about it. I love it. So that's awesome. Yeah, I guess he was uh, raging about the shop. Who? Bobo. What do you mean? Was he going crazy? I don't know. You were there. I didn't get there till two. Oh, like was two, he already gone? Twenty? No, no, he was still there. Yeah, he I was grabbed, chill. I was there. Yeah, yeah I okay. grabbed him. He was he was chill. Yeah, All right, good. He wasn't the normal owner. Oh, okay. Like, hey, Dan, go get me a box from out of the back. Yeah, it wasn't that Owen. Oh. It was like he's kind of chill. Oh wow, I don't yeah. know what that version of my child is. Well, I mean, he was good. I mean, he wasn't. He was just chilled out. He was doing his thing. Yeah. yeah. Eating, eating some cookies, playing cookies. with the dinosaurs. Playing dinos, eating it. cookies, living so, that good life. You guys have a bunch of stuff going on at the shop all the time. you got trips running in and out all the time, mm-hmm. these kinds of Christmas parties, mm-hmm. anniversary parties, all that. Mm-hmm. I love going in there. It's my favorite place to hang in town, flat out. Wow. But on top of that, every time I go, you guys have new soft goods. And I'm a huge like gear guy. I yeah. love the clothes. I love the hoodies. I picked yeah. up a new Howler hoodie. Nice. We talked about it. Yeah. It's that. Yeah. The Paladuro. Yeah. The Paladuro hoodie. In yeah. the gray. I have it in the green. Yeah. Now I've got it in the gray. Yeah, it's a good layering piece. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. You got Howler on. You got some old school Howler on today. I do have some old school Howler. The old Safari. Josh is rocking the the snakes in the moon. Yeah. Yeah, that's the cross cut. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I got some Howler on. You guys have, have changed me. Now we just got to get this. We got to get got to get the rest of that cool. I got all my tech, all the the technical stuff. I don't have the fashion stuff. My uh... but he rocks my other. I love Patagucci. Yeah, I love Patagonia, man. Yeah, and he's got the end, so I don't even want to. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. lucky. Yeah, I got the I got the inside track on the Patagucci. <laughs> yeah, I like Patagonia. So so but yeah, the Blue River still jumping off. People been. Mm. Super mm-hmm. fired up on that coming in. It's fishing like really traditional nymph style fishery right now, and so none of the none of the dirty stuffs really catching fish, which is cool. And um, even a couple of weeks ago, I mean, uh, Tom went down there and he caught five species, four four or five species off the blue. I mean, he caught a sucker, he caught a largemouth, he caught, mm-hmm. um, which is funny because he caught a largemouth on a nymph on a nymph. nymph. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. So, yeah, man, a lot of people have been running down there and having a lot of success and having fun. And um, Lower Illinois is probably done for a minute. Norfolk's probably done for a minute. Yeah, they're, um, they're working on the dam at the Norfolk, and I want to say... Until January, I think. Yeah, someone can correct me later on if I'm wrong. I want to say one of the generators or something might be down on the Illinois. Yeah, they were running like a thousand to like fifteen hundred CFS. So like you could get in around the sluice, but they said it was fishing all right if he could get down. And I saw one of the guys. Yeah. He same thing like multi species day. You know, throw it in there. What you get? And luckily, it was you know at least cone headed buggers and not mop flies and mm. yeah, squirmies. Yeah. yeah, so getting after it <clears throat> less trashy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I dig the trash though. You do. You love it. Yeah. So speaking of trash, back to Venice, Louisiana, the trip you guys were on. Yep. I saw some video footage of Josh. You said it was cold, right? Big wind days, 
full camo rain gear fishing barefoot. Yeah, but he's Josh is like he's like Sasquatch, dude. I mean, he's I had socks on, unrefined. You know how he is. Yeah, you know, but he he made it happen. Yeah, so that's I good. had socks on, okay. and they're merino wool, so they stay warm. With oh yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. That you weren't really barefoot. No, spoke there. but and I wouldn't have taken my shoes off. Let me tell you, if the the, the wind, it was like what I think that day was blowing thirty. Yo, so yeah. let me paint the picture here. It is choppy as all get out. It is raining. The wind is so bad that my line will not stay in the boat. So what you can't see in that video is that Dane is sitting behind me on the ground, and he is controlling my excess fly line. He's feeding it when I'm casting. He's taking it in and like making sure it doesn't get all tangled up when I'm stripping. Like... It literally took every one of us to make that fish happen. And I think that was the seventh, of four, uh, f- fifth maybe approach on this yep. pod that we finally got in the right position and they finally moved in the right way where we could get, I don't know, what was that, probably a 45, maybe 45, 50 foot cast. Yeah, I mean, and these fish were moving... They were what cruising. Red said. Red said we couldn't keep up with this stack of fish with the trolling motor wide open, trying to like chase that's this how pot. fast they were like, moving. It was wow. It was try to get ahead of them, stop, swing around, and whatever technique you could muster. I mean, the, like your you know ten and two <laughs> sling it is out the window in, yeah. in that wind. And is that are the fish moving like that because of the weather? They were eating. eating. Okay. No, they were put like so when it gets choppy. Yeah, I mean, they're part of it is they're going with the current. The bait, the bait is going to take the less uh, path you know, of least resistance. Yeah, yeah. and so, and so the wind they. was blowing. Yeah. Um, the tide had swung, so it was an incoming tide. So you had a wind that was going with the tide, an incoming tide. So the current was cranking, and so they're moving fast because the bait is moving fast. And if it weren't for the birds working on top, I mean, we would have never seen them again. And he spotted that those birds working and like to be clear like it was a small craft advisory that day like we sh- we went out on a friend mission he called and was like hey i my brother's out there and his dad was out there cuz his dad was trying to film a tv show and so they had gone out and they're like there are fish working do you want to try and it's raining, it's blowing 30, it's cold. He was like, we could get halfway there and have to turn around. Sure. Like, I'm not charging anyone for this. We're just going to go see if we can make something but happen. But you're here. And that was his point. You're here. This could be absolutely terrible. If you're willing to suffer, do you want to go? Yeah. And so we said, sure, we'll we'll go suffer. Um, and it it panned out. But it, it I mean... It was a suffer fest, yeah. and um, it was absolutely the hardest I've ever had to work for redfish in my life. Um, you caught a good one too. Was it the same day? No. So yeah, Saturday. mine was yeah, mine was the second day after. You know, we talked about earlier that that first day was just a grind. Like we were in the skiff and getting beat up. You know, pu- pulling over fish, not running. I mean, we yeah. were silently running over thirty-five, forty-inch redfish. Um, and just not, not a half chance, not a quarter chance, just nothing, 
nothing to do about it. And, you know, I was like, okay. like, this, And that was probably the best weather day we had was that mm-hmm. first day. Uh, yeah. In the morning. Yeah, in yeah. the morning. Yeah. And then it went, you know, no light, flat light, horrible, couldn't see anything. Um, and then, yeah, that second day, different boat, got in with red, and we started working birds, which was crazy. Like, I've done some, you know, kind of inshore, offshore boat stuff in, on the West Coast, and it's like, you know, go find the birds, you'll find them. And, you know, Red put us on the birds, and same thing. I mean, it was grind. It was into the wind, with the wind, backhand, the technique out the window, fly line blowing off the boat. Uh, I didn't have a human stripping basket, so I made it work. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we had this small pod. I took a shot kind of behind them, didn't get it to set up. And, you know, kind of trusted my gut. And I said, well, the fish are still swimming. The birds kind of broke up, so you couldn't see anything. And I kind of wristed back, like a backhand out in front of where I thought they'd be and kind of put some hard strips on it, went to pick up and watch that fly line go down and off to the races, into the backing, as they say. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I hit them, and we were working with another boat. You know, those guys were all cheering, like, I'm amped up. I'm like, I still got to remember I got to fight this fish. Um you know, I was throwing an eight weight. I could put the heat on them on pretty good and got them in the boat, 40 inches on the tape. I mean, my biggest by far, probably double the size of the one that I caught before. And, I mean, I think Josh even said the the tail, the paddle on this fish, you know, if we had got them a little later in the season, would have been a, a donkey donkey. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah. yeah, that fish survives. That That fish had all of the body type to be if it'll keep living and and growing and doesn't get eaten or killed or whatever that fish will be a 50 plus pound fish one day guaranteed wow it was beautiful too great color yeah it was i mean it was you know red you know you normally they kind of get that kind of washed out kind of brassy color but you know i think it was one you know we could see backs and tails in this pod you know as they were kind of feeding under these birds and you weren't casting it a fish. I mean, you were hoping for the best, get that fly down and get one to eat. And, um, yeah, decent fight. Got him in the boat, got him on the deck and the good hero shots that you need and back in the water and try to get another one. <laughs> yeah. Those, man, those redfish, you know, from all along the Gulf Coast into South Carolina on the Florida side, um, where we're from, Josh and I in Florida, kind of that North Florida area. You know, typically you don't see those 40, 45-inch redfish, you know, like you can in Venice. You know, I'm from Jacksonville, Florida. A good Duval trophy fish would be about 35, right? And I've, I've kind of caught the upper end of that. Every once in a while, they'll sneak a 40 in there, right? You'll see a 40, you know, some leviathan that's been sitting up on the oyster bars for, you know, who gosh knows how long. But typically... You get over in Venice area, that that Louisiana Gulf Coast, that's where the big boys come in at in the, in the, in the fall. And there's some resident fish. You know, there's some resident big guys that kind of hang around. But Those migrating bulls. Now, you do get migrating bulls in the Carolinas, and sometimes mm-hmm. those will run down t- some seasons down into to, uh, to northeast Florida, mm-hmm. uh, Fernadina, Jack's area. Um, I've got some buddies who've been pretty consistent in catching some high mm-hmm. 30s, um, low 40s over there. Um, but they're, they, it's more about the numbers. What's unique about Venice and and some areas in the Carolina is the quantity that mm-hmm. when they're there, they're there. And um, that just doesn't happen everywhere else. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I was fishing just on the 
in Florida, you know, a week and a half after we went on our trip to Venice for one day uh, with a great guide out of the Nature Coast um, who's doing just super rad stuff. And he and I were talking about what a big ones look like. And for him, you know, big ones are in the, the high 30s. They don't get a lot of 40s. But there's reds there all the time. And they eat well. Yeah, they're fat. They eat well. Um, and they take a fly really well. And if you're wondering yeah. if I got a break from the weather, I didn't. Um, I showed up there just in time for the tail end of the storm that had been in Venice to show up in Cedar Key. Uh, so it was cloudy as all get out and blowing. And uh, at the very end of the day, we came on a flat and the sun came out a little bit and the wind laid down and they started tailing mm -hmm. and but for whatever reason this big pressure system i think caused them to be pretty spooky or maybe it was the wrong fly but i had i had two tailing fish that turned chased my fly nudged it and then just absolutely booked it like mm. as fast as could be um but that was great to be on a i mean i'm talking probably a 60 acre flat and uh there was some snook in there tailing which was crazy um some red some black drum but uh very long cast i mean i was i was casting 60 70 at these things and um yeah some of them fish down there and that where he fishes is um sometimes it's right at your feet and it's a little bit different fishery. You're fishing. Those fish will be nose right up to an oyster bar, right? Just Yeah, they're like this. I'm talking head down in the oyster bar, tail, I mean, just sitting on it. And you drag your boat across those things. Like, you know, it's crunching across those oyster bars. But and, and those shots are like insane. Kind of like some of the shots we would have had in Venice that are just like. I mean, I, yeah. That was the fish that I caught. The one, the, the, the one I caught during the day was. You know, the guy was like, hey, look at that one right there in, the, in those weeds. And I was like, oh, clunk. And my fly actually flipped over a piece of cane, and the fish came up out of the water and grabbed it and took off. <laughs> it was just the weirdest hook set I've ever seen. But, I mean, but down there in Florida, man, it's like, pff, you got to be on your game. You got to be ready because those fish are just either at your feet or they're way out there, <laughs> you know. I want to hear – go ahead. What was really cool about fishing with him is that's where I first started my captaining and fishing was out of there. Mm, yep. And that was years and years ago, right? So we're talking um, 15 years since I had guided down there. And so to be able to talk to Trey about the change in the fishery and like, <clears throat> you know, big snook are consistently showing up there now. The tarpon size has increased dramatically. Um, some of the best tarpon guides in the country uh, are actually coming down there, hush, hush, and, and fishing. And um, so really unique area, you know, speaking of the bottoms of the boats, like he has his made specifically for that area because if you go south of where I was fish where I used to guide, which is where he guides, is south from where I guided, it's all rock bottom and oyster bottom. Mm -hmm. And the number of times we were in such skinny water that we had to like, move all bodies to try to get a uh, high centered off of a rock and the noises that were happening underneath this boat. I was like, dude, is this okay? And he was like, yeah, I actually have him build an extra layer of, 
of whole armor basically <laughs> under his boat. Skid plates. Yeah, his boats <laughs> his boats weigh fifty to a hundred pounds more than the um stock. The stock version because he's added so much to underneath and he said, But I've never poked a hole in one and um and so He's got a 16 and an 18, and, dude, this guy was just getting in the skinniest, gnarliest stuff I had ever seen. And, and the the size of the mangrove forests that were in this area, what's interesting is um, what there's a, ver- there's a species of mangrove that's now showing up there naturally um, that wasn't there years ago because the uh, saline level has increased so dramatically that now it is a acceptable environment for what traditionally was a lower keys Everglades mangrove. Mm-hmm. And now they're showing up uh, in super high quantities. Like, I mean, hundreds that weren't there the year before, as he was explaining it That's to cool, me. Though. And so just a major sh- switch going on there, some for the good, some for the bad. But uh, it'll be really interesting to see what the Nature Coast turns into as a fishery uh, over the next 10 years as water temps south continue to increase. I think you're going to see a significant shift. I um, hope it stays low-key. That is a really well, unique it can't, area. It, it, and I had this conversation with him. I was like, I don't know how it doesn't stay low-key mm-hmm. because there's nowhere to develop. Right. Right. So much of it is already protected as state and national refuge that you can't build on it Mm -hmm. and it's such like good luck getting insurance to cover a house like forget about it (laughs) and so you know there's just not a lot of place to go on the water and the other part is it has no beaches right and so the fact that there aren't beaches in that area the fact that it's there's nowhere to build really and be on the water it doesn't offer that florida experience that most people are looking for it's not like going to the keys Mm -hmm. and so uh it's it's like venice in that way that it's really limited in in its appeal if you're super into fishing and like you're into birding and that type of stuff yeah great place to go but if you want to hang out on the beach and have a florida life that that florida lifestyle that florida vacation you would never go there yeah i like that part though and so mm-hmm. those are the yeah. places that interest me you know it's yeah. why i like venice the, the, i know there's only two people there oil rig hands and and, and anglers and, and anglers and, and duck and, hunters yeah right there's there's some good ducks there man i mean we're we're fishing in the same ponds as duck hunters are jumping fish or i'm sorry jumping ducks yeah you know which is uh and it's funny because we tip they typically will be done by the time when we're just heating up sure you know what i mean yeah they're done about what noon oh before then yeah and we're just getting into the groove Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so it kind of works out that's really cool i need to get down there you do i do yeah, we know some guys who could help you do that. Yeah, you guys have a lot of other trips going out of J.D. Adams & Company, too. I know you have a board there right behind the register mm-hmm. with everything lined up. So if you're interested in having this kind of an experience, if you live in the area here, come check it out specifically. If you're listening on the podcast version or you stream the show from out of market, just get on social media, call them up. There's always guys in the shop there that can talk to you about these kinds of, honestly, they're once-in-a-lifetime type experiences. Mm-hmm. But 
challenge yourself to not let it be that. Get in with these guys, become friends because you guys are awesome. Like this is truly I don't say it's my favorite place to hang out because you're here in the mm-hmm. studio with us. It truly is. Yeah. And I mean, your story specifically, you were tying flies <laughs> long before you were an angler, right? Yeah. Like, the yeah. community of fishing is just such that it, if it grabs you, you, there's nothing you can do about it. You know, we get dudes that come in the store, man, that, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, we want people to come in and buy stuff. But, I mean, man, we get folks that come in and just want to chill, watch TV, drink a beer, yeah, um, drink a pop or whatever. Uh, we're we're down with that because a lot of times man it's like not only do we get intel that way like we also give intel that way i always tell people there's i mean yeah there's secrets in fly fishing but there's not very many Mm -hmm. right there's you know some anglers might be like look i'm not gonna tell this guy where my striper spot is you know whatever Mm -hmm. but there's not a ton of secrets you know so the number of times i've been in there and seen one of you guys go to your own vehicles and pull a fly out because somebody's going specifically one place. You're like, here's what you need. Or I do that a lot. Literally <laughs> have, have seen guys like send your own personal fly rods out the door because mm-hmm. somebody's going somewhere and they need an eight weight, but they've only got a five weight or something yeah. like that. Hey, if you like this, come back. We'd be more than happy to sell you one, obviously. But, yeah. I mean, go figure out if you even need an eight weight before you invest. Yeah. That kind of a deal. Like, that's the experience you guys offer at the shop, and it's yeah. really refreshing. In in what can be kind of an exclusive industry, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and uh, one of the things we had talked about before was like these barriers of entry into the sport, right? Mm-hmm. Like new folks that are coming in and trying to alleviate some of these barriers of entry, like rods and you know gear. Like, well, I don't have this to be able to go this. Well, of the three of us or four of us, we can make sure you get what you need, right? Yeah. I've sent ten weights out the door that were mine. I don't know how many flies I've given people. Hey, go here's five flies. Take these down there with you. Go try it out. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't mind that because a that customer is going to come back and you know he's going to be a loyal customer, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. you might even build a friendship with them. Yeah, you know, that's which yeah. is even better. Hey, we got to squeeze in a break. When we come back, I want to hear about night fishing. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. We've teased it a couple of times. I still don't even know the story off the show, off the air, anything like that. So when we come back, we'll get into that and a little bit more inside the Outdoor Hour on 107.7 The Franchise. Now back to the Outdoor Hour with your host, Taylor Maples, on 107.7 The Franchise and The Franchise mobile app. Welcome back inside the Outdoor, our final segment this week. It is deer season, as we've talked about. Hey, here's something I'm really excited about, though. I've got deer daylighting way, way, way back on a stand and a feeder that's nearly impossible to get to. But I've got the solution with that Pedego e-bike. I have the Element model. If you're interested in e-bikes, go check out Pedego OKC. They've got a ton of different options for you, whether you're just looking for something to leisurely ride around like Hefner, or if you're trying to use it like I do to get back into deer stands that are harder to get to on foot foot um check out pedago okc go see lance he'll take care of you it'll be the most fun you have all week riding one of these things in a test drive fashion pedago okc is on macarthur boulevard just west of lake hefner go see lance mention the outdoor hour and he'll save you some money on your new pedago e-bike hey yeah uh, i didn't know about this tree stand that you're speaking of 
I mean, you've only been out there to sit in one stand one time. Yeah, I also haven't received any photos as of late. You've been all fishy lately, so mm. I got some photos I for see. you. You want to go I sit see. this weekend? I got some time. I'm not, uh, I can't. Oh, um, see. Okay. But it sounds cool. It does sound it cool. It sounds cool. I'll drop you some pins on Onyx. How's that sound? You know, I like your face. <laughs> <laughs> we got some good dudes in the studio this week. We got Dan Orr. Josh Stratton, as always, and Dane Kaler is joining us here as well. I'm Taylor Maples. This is the Outdoor Hour. Uh, ta- talking a lot about your trips to Venice, some saltwater fly fishing stuff. Um, you've you mentioned it a couple of times. I need to hear about night fishing. What's the story there? Um, so kind of the way it came about, um, one of the guides called and said, hey, you know, why don't you come down, check this out, and – Josh kind of kicked around the idea. He was like, hey, why don't you go and, you know, take one of the customers with you. Um, I was like, yeah, sure. So we roll out. I mean, literally about eight minutes from the marina. So quick trip. And we get there. <clears throat> and in my head, I'm thinking, like, surely we cannot be going out into the Gulf at night, right? And so hop on the boat, and we just kind of idle over to this spot. And the way it's kind of set up is there's light shining in the water, right? Um, get there, there's shrimp everywhere. There's just shrimp popping out of the water. There's everywhere. And there's trout swimming everywhere, feeding on this stuff. And then intermingled in all that is redfish. Like, And this is in the marina, like on the way in, in you know. And so... I'm like, well, this this isn't this, this can't be, you know. I mean, and they're not giant redfish, you know. These are uh, schoolies, you know, thirty inches maybe, you know, twenty eight inches somewhere around there. Nice fish. And then we start casting at these things, man, and they are hungry. They're just eating whatever, you know. Um, I caught one, great time, and just so happened the customer that I that that came with me is a videographer. So he was like videoing it, taking footage and pictures and all the things. And then I was like, dude, you need to get on the bow of the boat right now. And so I had him the rod. He gets up there. Um, couldn't come tight on one, but he caught a bunch of trout. And he was just like ate up with that. Like, I mean, he was 100% ate up. It's at night. It's not cold. I mean, we're, what, 70 degrees maybe. And he is just completely ate up with doing this, you know. Um I thought it was the most bizarre thing on the planet to be fishing for redfish at night, but it's no different than how we fish under docks, right? You know, dock lights, fish for snook and, you know, all these different things on our, on their, on their dock lights. It just so happened. It was an industrial area, (laughs) these redfish that was just swimming around, man. I, I don't think this is something that we could like schedule when we're down there. Uh, There's just way too many variables involved. Right. The bait's got to be in there. Um, the tide was absolutely ripping, you know, so we had to kind of tie the boat off just so we didn't kind of drift. You know what I mean? But it's just got to be the right conditions. I mean, and if it happens when we go down there where well, we can send a couple customers out and let them go experience for a couple hours, because that's all we were out there for a couple hours. And, you know, we came back. If that. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was really knowing that we had some potential weather 
coming our way mm-hmm. and, and wanted Dan to try to go see, hey, is this a viable option that we could offer, you know, every night? In lieu of, uh, right. Or yeah. in addition to, yeah. you know. Um, and, I mean, it, yeah, so it was good to, you know, see, hey, can we continue to grow this um, experience and offer some, some different things? But uh, And I think we can, but it just takes – a little bit more scouting effort, right? You got to go and make sure a one they're there, right? And yep. the bait's there. Yep. You know, the bait is the key. Yep. Granted, yeah, there's probably bait there all the time, but re- are they? Is it there all the time, you know, in that one spot? So, um it's just a scouting thing, kind of like kind of like hunting, man, you know, just cuz the deer are here this year, maybe they moved, you know, another ridge over next year, you know, yeah. who knows. So, but again, another testament to you guys just working as hard as you possibly can to give your customers the best experience. Yeah. And that's really cool cuz as someone that went on that trip, Dane, does it does it feel like you got the best experience given a lot of variables? Uh, yeah, I mean, when the guide says, you know, kind of no, you know, no joke, this is some of the worst weather we've had in a long time. I mean, it kind of puts it into perspective. I know we got Red asked us, you know, are you guys fly or die? And I said, man, I'm coming up that I don't care. Like, you put a spinning rod, like, I want to catch fish. Mm-hmm. If it's not on a fly rod, it wasn't meant to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the only thing with Josh, you know, big time in me with a 41-inch fish to my 40-inch fish, I don't know, outfishing the, the customer, but that's all right. Yeah. I got mine. You know, the the I caught a big fish last year. Um we we I think we took two customers last year, so you know the trip has grown. Um, I think if Josh and I had it our way, we'd offer we'd offer two trips during the season. Um, so you know maybe next year we'll have ten guys that are interested and want to go, and we mm-hmm. have to break the trip up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's definitely doable, um, and I think it, it it will lend us an opportunity to take care uh, take advantage of different times of the season right uh, maybe an earlier trip and then maybe a later trip kind of like we do in november so and i'm sure there's nuances that come with each of those yeah because you got i mean temperature all all the things right all the things that that are involved in that so um yeah i mean it's a it's a it's an evolving trip uh, evolving um so i'm hoping next year we'll get more interest um and and let's let's face it not everybody has the the ability to to be able to take a trip like this so um some guys got to save up all year to to do something and and maybe it's not going to venice maybe it's going on a good deer hunt you mm-hmm. know or maybe it's going to slay a big elk up in the rocky somewhere so you know guys got to pick and choose you know what their what their flavor is but um you know it's it it, it definitely is an option so well, guys, we got to get out of here. Thank you for sharing some time with us this week. Dane Kaler, Dan Ord, you guys have social media you want to plug? Any way you want people to see your stories, connect with you, anything? You can say no. Sometimes our no, guests do. I'm not famous or interesting enough yet. <laughs> um, you know, I'll give, my, I'll give my Instagram just because I, I enjoy making that connection with folks. But yeah. my Instagram is Danny underscore JD Adams underscore CO. There you go. That's it. That's it. You got at against underscore current on Instagram. If you want to connect with Josh Stratton, you can find me at T underscore maples on pretty much every social media platform. Don't forget. You can follow the show at outdoor underscore hour on Twitter, 
Instagram, and now TikTok. A lot of traction on TikTok. Connect with us there. It's a lot of fun. See some behind-the-scenes content on social media from these shows and stuff that can't make it in as well. That's going to do it this week for the Outdoor Hour. We'll see you next time. Until then, go boldly. We'll see you outdoors.